0: I'm going to be very expeditious about how we spend the next few minutes knowing that it's only going to get louder. With our little ones in here, we don't do this uh, all the time, but we do it often enough to where we've gotten a little bit comfortable with it. If this is your first time, maybe having little wee ones in with you in a worship service, don't fret. We're okay with some noise. Uh, Really, the voices are a praiseworthy, the little tiny voices are a praiseworthy thing in and of themselves in light of how little of that we heard 10 years ago. So um, it's a praiseworthy metaphor in some ways. Um, I'm in this morning, 1 Chronicles 16. If you'll turn there, the sermon is gonna be a sermonette. It's gonna be very brief. And in fact, all I'm gonna do in this chapter, I'm gonna read a good portion of this chapter, I want to draw out the verbs, and what we're going to do this morning is we're going to do some of those verbs together as a church. Let me give you a little context as you're turning to 1 Chronicles 16. There's lots of song, songs in our Bible. We have a whole book that's dedicated to songs, the, to song, the book of Psalms, but there's some early songs, something that we've found as we've studied through 1 and 2 Chronicles recently on Wednesday nights is we've found that... Song early on was a lot more like solo than it was congregational. Now Moses after they crossed over the Red Sea, he sings the song and it says that everybody sang with him. It's hard to know if everybody knew all the words. It's hard to imagine if this was really a congregational type of song, but it's a song about God's victory and deliverance over the Red Sea and destruction of the Egyptian armies. Other songs that we have in there, Miriam sings a little solo in there, Deborah sings a solo, one of our judges sings a solo about a woman that drives a peg through somebody's head. So really interesting songs in our Bible, but most of them are sort of solo early on and they move in the direction of being congregational. And 1 Chronicles 16 is one of those high watermark moments where it looks like song is becoming especially congregational in this setting. The Ark of the Covenant has been uh, with the Philistines. Um, you may remember the story when Eli falls off his stool, breaks his neck, he finds that his sons Phinehas and Hophni were killed in battle with the Philistines. The Ark was taken by the Philistines and it stayed with them and they had a, interesting stories as a result of that. Tumors and things like that came to them as a result of having the Ark. So the Ark made its way back to Jerusalem and First Chronicles 16 is what took place when the Ark showed up back in Jerusalem. It's moved into a tent temporarily until David's son Solomon builds the temple. Something that's taking place here is David is having a dude named Asaph, we call him as soon as possible, around our house. Asaph and his brothers are leading the people of God in this song, and it's largely congregational. We'll start in chapter, one, or chapter 16, verse 1, and we'll go all the way through verse 2. 36. Pay attention to the verbs once we get in the song itself. And they brought in the ark of God and set it inside the tent that David had pitched for it. And they offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before God. And when David had finished offering the burnt offerings and the peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord and distributed to all Israel, both men and women, to each a loaf of bread, a portion of meat, and a cake of raisins. It's sort of an early picture of Lord's Supper in some ways. It has a lot of the same characteristics. Then he appointed some of the Levites as ministers before the ark of the Lord to invoke, to thank, and to praise the Lord, the God of Israel. Asaph was the chief, and second to him were some other guys, I'm not going to go through their names, who were to play harps and lyres. Obed-Edom is in there also. Asaph was to sound the cymbals, and Benahiah and Jehazael, the priests, were to blow trumpets regularly before the Ark of the Covenant of God. Then on that day, David first appointed that thanksgiving be sung to the Lord by Asaph and his brothers. And here's the song. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him, sing praises to him. Tell of all his wondrous works, glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his presence continually. Remember the wondrous works that he has done, his miracles and the judgments he uttered. O offspring of Israel, his servant, sons of Jacob, his chosen ones, he is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. Remember his covenant forever, the word that he commanded for a thousand generations, the covenant that he made with Abraham, his sworn promise to Isaac, which he confirmed as a statute to Jacob, as an everlasting covenant to Israel, saying, to you I will give the land of Canaan as your portion for an inheritance. When you were few in number and of little account and sojourners in it, wandering from nation to nation and from one kingdom to another people... He allowed no one to oppress them. He rebuked kings on their account saying, touch not my anointed ones, do my prophets no harm. Sing to the Lord all the earth, tell of his salvation from day to day, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised and he is to be held in awe above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his place. Ascribe to the Lord, O clans of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. Let the heavens be glad. Let the earth rejoice. And let them say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord. For he comes to judge the earth. O give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his steadfast love endures forever. Say also... Save us, O God, of our salvation, and gather and deliver us from among the nations, that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Then all the people said, Amen, and praise the Lord. If any good reason to pay attention in English, it's this, to learn what a verb is. There's some really important verbs in here. The English teachers in here, you can make your check out to Ben McGraw for plugging English, paying attention in class. There's some sweet verbs in here that really in some ways unlock this song for us. This song later became definitely a congregational song oh later in Psalm 96 and these verbs are sort of escorts into what the people of God are supposed to do in a hearty song or in what we should say hearty worship because it may not just be song. Some of those verbs I have 12 of them give thanks Call upon his name, make him known, sing to him, tell of his works, glory in his name. Seek the Lord, remember his works, declare his glory among the nations, ascribe glory and strength. That word means give him credit for what he's done. And then worship, and the last one there is tremble. There are other verbs in this song, but those verbs are sort of the verbs that the people of God are to be about, and they lead into a series of verbs that creation is going to respond with. If the people of God are giving thanks, calling upon God, making him known, singing, telling, glorying, seeking, remembering, declaring, ascribing, worshiping, and trembling, then creation itself, the heavens, will be glad. The earth will rejoice. We know from our Bibles that all creation is groaning, anxiously awaiting Christ's return. And all creation, from the trees clapping their hands, to the streams flowing, to the seas crashing against the shore, to the mountains appearing as if they're sitting still, all those things are pining for Christ's return. And when God's people are doing these verbs, then the fields are exulting. They're saying, yes, keep it up, people of God, and then our creator will come back and redeem this fallen creation. Let the field exult, let the sea roar, then shall the trees of the forest sing for joy, for he comes to judge the earth. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. This morning, what I wanted to do is I wanted to spend some time doing these verbs. In June of 2003, Christy and I were invited to come to Greenville to see and consider pastoring a mission church. It was a mission of Ridgecrest Baptist Church about a mile and a half from here down the road. We'd just been asked to come on the staff of a church in Fort Worth and we all but accepted that position in the meeting and that night we got a phone call from the pastor of Ridgecrest saying, I want you to come to Greenville and take a look at what God's doing here or could be doing So we loaded up in the car. We took the video camera with us because Daniel hadn't been born yet, and we thought it was that close. In case Daniel was born on the trip from Fort Worth to Greenville and back, we at least wanted to have some record of it. I don't know what we thought we would video. (laughs) I guess somebody else would deliver the baby, and we'd hand him the camera. I don't know what we were thinking, but Christy (laughs) said we need to bring the video camera. So we came to Greenville. It was on a weekday. The pastor of Ridgecrest just dropped everything he said, I'm going to show you around Greenville and show you the building here on the south side of town. Something that was interesting as we drove around Greenville was we saw churches on every corner. If you live here, you know what I'm talking about. And if you're here, you likely live here. Churches on every corner. And ironically, the church that would be planting us was a mile and a half away and is currently a mile and a half, two miles away. I thought privately, why in the world would we start a new church in a community so saturated with them? That just doesn't even make sense. But Christy and I, after seeing what the potential was here, after seeing what we believed God was doing here, we talked and we prayed, and we came out in July of 2003 to preach in view of a call to be the pastor of Point Fellowship. On a given Sunday here, this was previously Bethel Baptist Church. On a given Sunday, there were maybe 10, 12 people here on a given Sunday. Well, this Sunday when it was time to vote on something, people showed up. There were 61 votes that morning, 64 and one abstain. Now, the one who abstained died just a few weeks later. So I felt better. (laughs) I didn't feel good about him dying, but I felt better that at least there wasn't a lot of resistance there. So maybe the Lord was calling us here. So we took that as affirmation from the Lord that we were to come here, and we moved a month later to Woodland Drive. Daniel was days old. A short time later, God called Scott and Lindsay, Brad and Christy, the Wades, Christian and Danielle, Karen Bench. And thankfully, God kept Barbara Underwood here. And God called more families the Spears, the Feasels, the Holtz, the Wetzels, the Kimblers, the Otts, the Atkinsons, the Hickses, the Living Goods. God called Dan Metz here. God called the Rodens, the Pfeiffers, the Rileys, the Hudgens. And every time a new family came, I was surprised that they really actually wanted to join. No joke. When the Wades actually walked down the aisle, we used to have altar calls here years ago, believe it or not. When the Wades walked down the aisle, I didn't know what to do. It scared me to death. And they said, we want to join this church. And I don't know if I said it, but I thought it. You do? In the last 10 years, the really cool thing that we have enjoyed seeing together for those that have been in on all the journey or most of the journey is we've watched God build a people. God has built a people and he's done it at his pace and he's done it on his terms and it shocks me to see the depth and the health and the love and the leadability and the attentiveness and the appetite and the worship of this people. It shocks me. I was talking with someone this week talking with a friend, we were talking about businesses, how they come and go, and how there are some businesses out there that once you've shown up there, once you've participated in whatever they offer, then you've sort of done it, and the likelihood of going back is less likely. And in some ways, restaurants have a little bit of that potential it's the sort of thing we obviously need to eat, but once you've experienced that experience, there's a potential to where's the, newest, the next new restaurant, and then you're off to the next new restaurant. And in some ways, a restaurant can experience some of the fad phenomena. Restaurants are the only ones that they experience that. A lot of times, church plants experience that. A little bit of a fad phenomena. You mean it's something new and it's something different? And for it to actually last and go the distance, there's gotta be something more than just a new menu. And we've experienced that here in the last 10 years as the Lord has sustained this little frail, feeble, fragile attempt at a church plant. The Lord has done this. Those of us that have been in on a large part of this journey know that. To God be the glory for what he's done here through and through He's not only sustained this one, but he's grown deep roots and he's built a people. Now, the next few minutes are going to be congregation participation. Have a little plan here. It's going to involve some standing and some sitting. So that'll make sure that nobody gets distracted, nobody falls asleep. Some standing and some sitting. It's not going to last a long time. I know if you're holding eight, 12 kids, it's going to be a trick. But just do the best you can do with that. We're gonna get warmed up with some lobs. The first lob is stand if you're currently a member of Crosspoint Fellowship. Okay, all right. This is what we're gonna do the next few minutes. Y'all can have a seat. It's gonna be kind of musical chairs. You get a little workout in, a little quad workout, lutes. And if you join Crosspoint Fellowship during the Book of John. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's great. Yep. All right, have a seat. Stand if you were baptized here. Knowing now what we know as a people that baptism is a mark of the beginning of the journey of faith. Let's give God the glory for this. Stand if some or all of your children were born while a member at Cross Point Fellowship. <laughs> Lots of kids up in this place. All right, y'all sit. Stand if you had the privilege of baptizing your own children or some of them while at Cross Point Fellowship. Is that a blessing, men? Is that something we'll never forget? I'm thankful for I've share in that as well, baptizing my own. All three. Thanks, y'all be seated. Stand if you've served in the children's ministry in any capacity. That's right. Okay, have a seat. Stand if you're amazed and marvel at the level of understanding that your children have of God and the things of God. Stand. Man, I'm thankful for that. God gets the glory for that because we know ourselves and I know y'all. And I know the frail, feeble efforts that God uses. And I'm thankful that he's used that to give kids something that I didn't have as a kid. I was part of a great church, part of a family that loves the Lord. But the level of understanding and connecting dots and piecing together the story is something that's truly remarkable at what we're hearing from our kids, what we're seeing them say and how they're connecting dots. To God be the glory for that. Stand if you're part of a small group. I'm thankful for this. Y'all have a seat. Let me tell you a little something about small groups. Small groups are a great example that the life of the church, in the life of the church, that all things are not always ready. Our church was not ready for all things at every point. There's some things that we may participate in in the future that we may look back in the last 10 years that didn't succeed, that in the future they might. And small groups is a great example of that. Early on in the life of the church, we tried to do small groups, and it just failed. And in the last few, few years, we've got to see what God has done or could do through small groups as they've taken root, 10, 11, 12 small groups. It fluctuates a little bit with 22, 24 small group shepherds that are leading those small groups. And over the course of the week, real community taking place as people are engaging each other in meaningful ways. Stand if you've traveled abroad to visit our missionary families at some point. I'm going to have y'all, somebody, join, some folks join y'all. Stand if you've prayed for, by, you've participated in these ministries abroad by praying for those ministries at some point, either as families or as individuals or as small groups. Man, that's sweet. This is a missional church. One of the things that I haven't, I can't have people stand if you've participated in a church plant because they're gone, they're in commerce. A large part of our church took off three or four years into the life of our church and went to commerce. Some of them moved there to be part of a church plant in commerce. God gets the glory for that. Multiplication. Stand if you've been called to be an elder here. I could not do it without those jokers right there. Stay standing, stay standing. I'll tell you too, my heart breaks for, stay standing, Scott, Brett. My heart breaks for the single pastor model. I know the Lord can use it and I know the Lord can sustain that man, whoever he might be in that setting, but I'm telling you right now, I couldn't go the distance without these brothers standing right beside me. And there's another group of brothers that are also standing beside us that we couldn't do it without, Stan deacons, Man, fine men. Fine men that I want my boys to look up to, that I want my boys to be like. I'm thankful for these men. Small group shepherds, join them. There's not but a few other small group shepherds that are shepherds that aren't deacons. So small group shepherds know that that's sort of the direction this moves. Not by design, it just ends up that way. I'm thankful for the leadership of this church. Y'all have a seat. Stand if you've been involved in fostering or adoption in any way while here at Crosspoint Fellowship. Man, y'all have a seat. If fostering and adoption, adoption especially, fostering is a beautiful picture of it as well, is a picture of the the gospel as we've been adopted into God's family through the work of Christ. If that's a picture of the gospel on display, then there've been plenty of pictures. I don't know how many kids we figure out in our children's ministry have been adopted, but it is a chunk. I would say a quarter, maybe a third of our children in our entire children's ministry were adopted. Stand if you are married here are married by an elder at Crosspoint Fellowship. That's sweet right there. New ministries, new gospels, pictures of the gospel that have been put on display that we've had a chance to participate in. And it's been a blessing to be part of that. Y'all stay standing. Join them if your marriage was, has been, and continues to be sustained while here at Crosspoint Fellowship. I'm gonna say that. Some of you are looking around like, I'm not sure if that's me. Join them if your marriage was, is, has been, continues to be sustained while here at Crosspoint Fellowship. If you're staying married while you're here. All right, y'all have a seat. Stand if you walked down an aisle at an altar call here. <laughs> Oh, that's great. Stand if you're Barbara Underwood. I want y'all to to stand also if you knew Betty Lakey. The rare few of us that knew Betty Lakey years ago. Barbara's friend, one of the first members of Cross Point Fellowship, gone to be with the Lord blessing. Chances are, you've been prayed for by Barbara or one of our other ladies that just lift each of you up by name in prayer. I'm thankful for our ladies at Crosspoint. We are blessed. Karen Bench, folks like that, you have been prayed for. Stand if you were a member at Crosspoint when someone dropped a crane through the roof. All right, y'all sit down. Stand if you're related to someone who was driving the crane. Jill said, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Stand if you were supposed to be in your office when the crane crashed through your roof. Where's Mark Atkinson? There he is. There he is. Thankful that you weren't. Stand if you were in charge of changing the transparencies during corporate worship as it was projected with a transparency projector on a sheet. (laughs) Lindsay Sutton, there she is. (laughs) It was before kids. Stand if you knew Keith McCord. Y'all have a seat. Those of you that knew Keith McCord, you were likely here on the Sunday when a dude who lived well and died well said, in that little building over there, though he slay me, sick, he's standing there sick and frail, though he slay me, I'll trust him. It's going on to be with the Lord? Lived well, died well, worshiped well. Stand if you've ever been personally embarrassed in a sermon. <laughs> Okay. My whole family just sprung up. (laughs) What's up with that? What's up with that? (laughs) Stand if you've ever heard a pastor call a bunch of people ticks in a sermon. (laughs) Okay. All right. Have a seat. Long story to share with you that are visiting or new Stand if your granddaddy painted an infamous sign in Greenville and you announced it during a sermon from your seat. Woo! That's good right there. That's the only sermon I ever feel like this is running away from me. I'm not sure I can keep this together. Stand if you've ever had to do the Heimlich maneuver on someone during a sermon. Stand if you were preaching and someone had to do the Heimlich maneuver on someone. Stand if you're related to someone who had the Heimlich maneuver done to them in a sermon. (laughs) Woo, all right. Stand if you've ever received a surprise monetary blessing from God given through God's people. Maybe at Christmas. Maybe just when you had a need Y'all have a seat. Man, that's a blessing right there. Scriptures say that the early church had everything in common and no one had a need that wasn't met. That's a blessing right there. Stand if you're shepherding your family, frailly and feebly maybe, but making an effort to shepherd and lead your family. (laughs) Have a seat. There are lots of other things that I'm sure could get us all on our feet, or at least move us in that direction. I could ask if we're hungry, and then those of you that haven't stood yet could stand at some point. Many of us could stand as people who've had to do something hard as a result of something that God said in the sermon. It might be have a hard talk with somebody that you love. It might be asking for forgiveness. It might be offering extending forgiveness in a situation that would just be unthinkable. It might be holding others accountable or it might be submitting to being held accountable. Lots of other ways that we could all stand and acknowledge what God has done in difficult situations and how he's been glorified through it. We could stand if we'd ever have to love others with truth. We could stand if we've ever had to help others when they fell or if we've ever had to submit to being helped or to submit to being helped when we've fallen. Chances are that would get most of us on our feet. To God be the glory. This is just a little giving thanks. A little making him known, telling of his works, glorifying his name, remembering his works, declaring, ascribing, and giving him credit. To God be the glory. We have a lot to recount. and God is... 10 years and I can't imagine what he'll do in the next 10 I'm going to share a famously crummy slide to end this little portion that I've got but for good reason put those one of those it doesn't matter which one All right. the reason this is famously crummy because it took place on Wednesday night teaching 5th and 6th graders I wanted to capture this because I'm about to share a little story with you as I close let me acquaint you with what's up here I know you won't be able to decipher it Forget everything that's below the bottom or below that line at the very top. The line across the very top is the timeline that I've often thrown up here at different points on a sermon, hand-drawn, scribbled, chicken scratch. I get it. All right, that thing right there is something that I use with my students on fifth, my fifth and sixth graders on Wednesday nights, just like I use here sometimes in preaching. It's a timeline that starts at two thousand years or so before Christ with Abraham, fifteen hundred years or so before Christ. Moses in the Exodus, 1,000 years before Christ, David. Now, these aren't on the money. There's some wiggle room in there. It's general markers. 722 B.C. is when Israel went into exile in Assyria. 587 B.C. is when Judah went into exile in Babylon. These are high water marks in the story, okay? Important markers in this story that's our story. Right there at the center is the cross, Christ came, crucified, and risen. Right there, the little red dot that said praise, that's where we moved in the direction, you may not realize this, but our Bibles move in the direction of bloodless offerings. Early on in Leviticus, there's blood everywhere. I mean, the tabernacle, is a bloody place. I mean, blood flying everywhere all the time. As we move in the direction of Christ's final sacrifice, from that point on, there's still a sacrifice, but it's, it's bloodless now. The sacrifice now, because the the the, or the, the offering now, because the sacrifice has been final and complete and satisfied, is song. It's moved from a bloody sacrifice to a song. That has nothing to do with the timeline. It's just why I'm telling you that's on there. And then right there, about three or 400 years or so after Christ, the little scratched out there is Arius. You may be familiar with the story remember the story where I told you about a dude named Athanasius. I also told you about St. Nick slapping Arius upside his head, that's what St. Nicholas is famous for, slapping Arius in his face because he said that Jesus was created. He said, no, there was a never time when Jesus was not. Important markers in our story and markers that our fifth and sixth graders know that likely you know if you've been paying attention. 1,000 years after Christ is just a marker there. 1,500 years or so after Christ, Martin Luther in the Reformation, another high watermark in the story. And then 2,000 years plus 13 after Christ or after or AD, point Fellowship. We could say 2003, and given what we're celebrating today. That's when we entered the timeline there. And here we are 10 years later looking at a timeline that we're parked on. Now, the reason I wanted to acquaint you with this, hit the next slide. Yeah, it's a little closer in on the right side. Now, let me share a brief story with you. This took place... I'm sharing this with our kids. See, I told you it's gonna get louder in here. I feel like I might to have to shout here in a minute. but I'm almost done. Sharing this timeline with the students there on fifth graders, fifth, and sixth graders on Wednesday night, showing these high water marks in the story. And a young man named Ethan, been there two Wednesday nights, looks at this timeline and says, you know, that's pretty cool because I bet sometime in the future that line will be going out beyond CF and somebody will be looking back and CF as a high water mark. In their story, and it hit me, man. I needed to hear that from a different twice, saying, "How cool would it? That's what he, he's, How cool would it be when somebody's looking back and CF is on their storyline, where they're looking back what took place here and has taken place in the last ten years, and what we hope and pray takes place in the next ten and next hundred, if the Lord doesn't return until before then." That somebody will look back and say, My family began the journey of faith right there on that timeline. My dad started shepherding right there on that timeline. My mom and dad stayed together right there in that dot on that timeline. My family was equipped to worship and engage God and engage each other in meaningful ways right there on that timeline. And that was my great granddaddy. What a privilege we have to be part of something. So meaningful, so God glorifying, so awesome. And you know what's funny? Every single one of these markers, it doesn't show, you know, we're on a different slide now, but back in those early parts, you think there was music playing when Abraham left Ur, the Chaldeans, and headed off to Canaan? Think there was a marching band? Man, that's video making 101. Put music to something and it's going to make it awesome. I mean, it can just be your daily activities. You put the right music to it, and it's like, oh, I'm so moved. There's no music playing for Abe. There's no band. There's no entourage. He's just walking, doing what God said, and it probably seemed small and insignificant and probably felt like a plot at times, and that's encouraging for me. As I look back and see what God did and how we stand on his shoulders and how God was moving, And we see that we're at a point on the storyline that likely will feel like a plod at times where there's no music playing, there's no marching band behind us. Nobody's making a video of what you're doing with your family this week. But yet God is all in it and God's working out a story for his own glory. Let me pray and I'm gonna turn it over to Brad for our supper. God, a few things I want to lift up this morning in prayer. First of all, I want to pray for Jay and Ashley Hall and pray specifically for Ashley. Lord, we are thankful for your protection over her during her procedure this week. We're thankful that you guarded her health, that you are restoring her right now physically. Lord, we pray for continued healing. I'm thankful for the little smile that we saw moments after she woke up this week. Thankful that she was able to engage, that she was able to smile. I celebrate, we celebrate with Jay and with the girls and with the rest of the family, extended family, that you have your hand of protection on this family. We pray that that will continue as she heals. Lord, two this morning, I want to pray for the churches in Greenville. In 10 years, we've prayed for so many churches on so many different occasions. And thinking about 10 years ago, considering the spirit of competition in this community, it looks like it's dying or may be completely dead 10 years later. And Lord, if it's not dead, I pray that you will go ahead and kill it. I'm thankful that in our context here in Greenville, that there seems to be a growing desire for each other to succeed and a growing desire for you to be glorified through each other's church and each other's work, and desire for your fame and your renown through these works here in Greenville. Lord, we pray as a result of that that this will be a community that has an aroma, the entire community that's salty and bright for your namesake. Lord, I'm thankful for what you've done in 10 years, and I confess in front of everyone here to you be the glory for every single bit of it. We know ourselves. We know our failings. We know our frailties. We know our weaknesses. And yet you've worked in spite of us. And we pray that you will continue to do that in the next 10, next 50, next 100, as you will it. We turn it over to you as an offering. We pray these things in Christ's name.
1: Amen. Amen. 1 Corinthians 11. The Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took a cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this, and as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and you drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes." What does he mean when he says you proclaim this death? He means we proclaim an atonement. What Paul means here is that basically we get what only he deserves and he took what we really deserve. He took on what we deserve and we get what only he deserves. He took on death and we get life and only he deserves life. It's that truth that has astonished a people and grown a people. That's the truth. That's a message. That's why he says we proclaim it, because it's a message. It's good news. It's something we proclaim and tell. There hasn't been a secret formula. There hasn't been a little system that we've proven here. (laughs) We have proclaimed that Jesus took what we deserve And we get what only he deserves. That has changed your lives, your families. That has opened your homes to the orphan. That has saved our marriages and sustained them. That's the truth. And on top of all of that, on top of all of the recounting that that truth has changed and we've seen grow this church, he gives us even more gifts. And he has given us the gift that I think most of you have grown to appreciate. And it's a meal it's a meal every week. Remember, it reminds us, this bread and this fruit of the vine, it reminds us, it refines us, and it defines who we are as a people. This truth, don't miss it, this truth that he took what we deserve and we get what only he deserves, uh, church, listen, it has, it has shaped and protected the deacons and elders here. It has shaped and protected your families. And so, I love communion. We thought when we first started doing this every week, well, it would get old. Oh my! It just gets sweeter to be reminded every week that He got what we deserve, and we get what He only He deserves. Let's enjoy this meal once again. Not what we deserve, but what He gave—His body broken for you, take and eat. And His blood, a new covenant, take and drink.
2: If you would. If you would turn your attention to the screen.
3: Uh, referred to as the first family of Cross Point, we came here and um, visited. Our first Sunday to visit, I think, was Ben's official first Sunday to preach. And believe it or not, we continue to come.
2: Yeah, visited a few more times, and and decided since uh, I mostly grew up in, at uh, Ridgecrest Baptist Church and Amy grew up going to First Baptist. Um, been kind of new couple, new family, we decided we would search out a church of our own.
3: We actually had been married 11 years. Um, had Justin was six, Jacy was four, and Jenna was um, in the tummy, and <laughs> we uh, we hadn't really found our church, and so I think um, we after visiting and. We felt like this was our our church. Um, and yeah,
2: and Ben like uh, actually had a, like an altar call or something. I don't remember uh, exactly. But I'm not
0: exactly sure. Ben knew what. I know to he do. was
2: shocked when we started walking up the aisle. He was like, "What is happening? Come These people are actually uh, joining this church."
1: Say, I've been here longer than any of you, and I've watched the vine wither, but new life came, and it's been a, such a blessing to watch our elders grow in the Lord. From the very beginning, I can remember when Ben McGraw was going to go meet Scott Sutton, and after all, working with the children also reminds me of the new life that's coming forth as we study through the God's Word. And also, the Surely He series is such a wonderful series for us all to remember, and we need to discuss this often with each of with our family and friends. And also, that uh, we're very thankful for the family that I do have here at Cross Point because they have been meant so much to me in my life, and thank you very much.
3: About six years ago, we were. Um on the hunt for a new church and we had visited so many churches over probably a six month period and we weren't living in Greenville at the time we were about 30 minutes outside of town and finally we just decided okay we were going to look for a church in Greenville because that's kind of where we were plugging in in other areas of our life Um, so somebody recommended Crosspoint Um, And we had some pretty specific things we were looking for in a church that we were specifically praying for. And the first Sunday we came, um, after we left, Derek and I just kind of got in the car and we were silent. But we looked at each other and we were both like, what do you think? And we both just had this peace and excitement that... We both knew our search was over. We had found, you know, the church that we were supposed to be at and supposed to raise our kids up in. And um, throughout the years, the Lord has just made it so evident that the things we were specifically praying for in a church body, the Lord has provided through Crosspoint um, families who are like-minded and raising their kids up in the faith and it not just being a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night thing, but an everyday, all-day thing, walking by the way, when you rise and uh, when you go sort of thing, and um, through that, our kids are... have. built some really strong, meaningful relationships, as well as us building those strong and meaningful relationships with other believers. Um, We wanted a church that when we went on Sundays or we listened to a message, it was not just a scripture and some funny stories and some fluff to go along with it, but that we were really growing and digging into the Word and really... um, Getting really getting something out of it versus a topical sermon series, Um, and we have definitely found that through CrossPoint, Um, the Lord has just really grown us both in our faith. Me being kind of a cradle believer, having grown up in the faith, I've just the Lord has used CrossPoint and my relationships in CrossPoint, and then um, the elders and the teachings in CrossPoint really to grow my faith and my understanding of the word. And then my husband coming into the faith later in life to really mature him and both of us to go from milk to meat, I guess. So we just were so thankful and so grateful for this body and this church fellowship the Lord has led us to and then planted us in. One of um, my favorite things about first coming to Cross Point was after about, oh, maybe six months or a year. I began to realize there is a cross-point lingo, and people would use these words when they talked with each other, you know, when they posted statuses on Facebook, or it would just be funny because you would then forget, after you've been in it for a while, you would forget that, oh, not everybody else uses this lingo or uses these words in everyday language. And... It's funny how, as people have come into the body and they're in here for a while talking to them, they mention the Cross Point lingo too. I just think that's a pretty funny thing. We kind of all pick up those things from each other. In
2: 2005, 2006, uh, Jennifer and I came to Cross Point um, after looking around in the Greenville area feeling that the Lord had called us to uh, make this our church home. And over the years, if if I was to say that there was one particular series that really changed my life, I I gotta say that it's it's really been since I've since I joined this church. um, He's continuously doing a work in myself and in my wife. And, and now my kids, and I've had the, the honor of baptizing Jennifer, baptizing Claire in her uh, salvation and proclamation of that salvation, uh, and now with Josie coming up, it's it's been a sweet sweet time here. And I don't I don't know how else to describe it than when you have a body of believers and leadership that is really preaching the truth and really seeking what God has to say about every thing that we go through. Uh, So to me, it's not really about one series. It's been about the journey itself and those watermarks of different series of Surely He Stinketh and and the Dibs series that that really do stand out to me. But I also just man, it's been such a (laughs) sweet, sweet time since we've been here. And I'm so thankful for what the Lord is doing through cross point and the people of cross point.
4: The Sutton family came here in 2003 and there were only two of us, just Lindsay and I. And we honestly didn't have big plans to stay for too long. Figured maybe we'd be here a few years. Didn't know what the Lord really had in store. And here 10 years later, we look back and we are absolutely amazed at all that the Lord has done. Uh, We have four kids now, and we have so many friends that we can't imagine life without. We have a church family that um, is almost like a real family in a lot of ways. And uh, it's been amazing getting to watch uh, families grow and men understand what it means to shepherd their families and watching children grow up really in the word and understanding uh, that the Lord has a will for their life and that they're created for his glory. Cardwell's adopted the first child into this family, I think, maybe eight years ago into this church family, and to know how many other families have become involved in adoption and seeing children that that didn't have a home that now have a home and a family, and um, there's all these families that are made up the way that God's family should be made up. We've talked this morning about Psalm 9 and how to be wholehearted in worship, we have to recount the deeds of the Lord. And I'm thankful that something the Lord showed us early on because there are so many different things that we've gotten to see throughout the years that the Lord has done. And then we've made it a point uh, not to forget. Uh, We've seen God put families together. We've seen God rescue people from addictions. We've seen marriages that were a mess by all standards now glorifying the Lord as husband and wife or submitting to the word and to the Lord first and, and then to each other uh, we've seen kids grow up uh, from being very young in their faith and getting some of the, the basic things to um, growing deeper in their faith and understanding doctrines as children that, that I didn't even approach until I was well into my adult life. One thing that's been so encouraging is knowing that whether it seems like a, an uplifting and a Maybe a high season for the church, or maybe it's a harder, more difficult season for the church. To know that the Lord is is unchanging through that, and to know that we can know that whatever is going on, that it exists for Jesus to get His glory out of it. And I think that keeping God central in all things has helped to create people who are persevering and and are sustained uh, through difficulty, knowing that. Nothing is wasted by God, not even our trials, not even the hardships, not even the difficult seasons. God doesn't waste anything, and he aims to get his glory out of it. And if God's getting his glory out of it, his people are immensely blessed.